Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Driving on that man's wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. With your host, Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow. The 2018 NASCAR season is over. Championship weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway has concluded. And Joey Logano is your Cup Series champion. We're talking about that tonight. Logano gets in, got into the championship four by winning at Martinsville, has some trouble at Phoenix, but he wins at Homestead Miami Speedway, the Ford EcoBoost 400. A power move on the bottom, passes Martin Tricks Jr. on a late race restart to win the championship. Um, I, I think a lot of people look at this championship and say, well, Logano wasn't great, but I think he peaked at the right time, this, four, this 22 team. Seemed to have some more speed as the season went on. We saw a little bit of a surge from Team Penske about August to September. Um, they just seemed to find themselves a little bit better. And Logano was included in that. Had a pretty consistent year all year long. But when it came down to push and shove at the end of that race, the end of the championship race, he was able to pull off and get the victory and win the 2018 NASCAR Cup Series championship. Um, were you surprised? I mean... Listen, Harvick, I think, was a, cha- was a favorite going in. He uh, was, was dominant in the mile and a half for a lot of this season. Kyle Busch was very good for most of the year. And same thing with Truex. So Logano was sort of the underdog, but he had a very good playoffs, had a very good – really, I think, since August, he was very, very good, uh, and he wins the championship. Your thoughts on Logano's victory in, in the championship tonight? It was a great run by Joey Logano, and it took a ballsy move to do it off that final restart. Uh, one of the things I was listening to Todd Gordon on the post-race show, and Todd was telling Claire B. Lang, he said, one of the things we kept looking at is history says there's usually a caution in the final 30 laps. And he said, you can have the greatest long-run car in the world, but if you don't have that 30-lap short run in you, you're going to get blown away. So they focused on making sure they had that car that could run a 30 laps and not and be able to pull away. Harvick, his car, when it got dark, they were struggling. Truex, it took him a long car. It took him 15, 20 laps to get going. And Kyle Busch probably was one of the worst performances that 18 cars had all year long. I mean, they were out to lunch all day. They had screw-ups on pit road. They couldn't find the handle on the track. I mean, Kyle Busch is an amazing driver to finish fourth with the way that day went for him. But Joey Logano's team had a plan going in. They weren't the fastest on Friday. Even Todd Gordon said, he said, we were probably one adjustment away from the pole. And they went out and they pulled a Harvick on Saturday. Usually Harvick will go out there, win qualifying, win all the practice sessions, and then go out and kick your ass during the race. Logano won both practice sessions yesterday. So Joey Logano showed that they had their stuff together. 
And when the final, that last caution came out, and it was funny, I, I was talking to a friend of mine whenever the caution hit, because that caution was 17 laps to go. Kyle Busch needed that more than anybody. Because he still had to pit. Everybody else did. Everybody else pitted. And if it would have stayed green, Harvick's probably your champion. But it didn't. And whenever they came in and Joey Logano came out and put that power move, once Truex got around Kyle Busch and then Logano put that power move on Joey Logano. My buddy's like, oh, could this be flashbacks to Richmond way back in the Michael Waltrip days? And then we show the they show the highlight and it's Keslowski hit him and spun him out. But they were four wide. It's not like it was Keslowski figured Joey needed a twenty lap run, so let's spin somebody out and give Joey a good give a shot at the pit stop and see how it goes. They were four wide. That was a racing deal. There's no conspiracy there, so it was all good. And I think it was a fantastic run by Joey Logano. Uh finally, about fourteen years after Mark Martin said he was the best thing since sliced bread. This year, he is the best thing since sliced bread because he's going home with a big trophy tonight. Yeah, and I tell you, think about his career. I mean, what that what this means to his career. I mean, this was a guy who we saw how bad he struggled at Joe Gibbs Racing. There was no doubt about that. We've talked, documented that on Talking in Circles before. Uh, it was a struggle for him, no doubt about it. And he gets to Team Penske, and all of a sudden, it was like a light switch went off. You know, got a couple, got into a couple of, of tiffs, I guess you can say. Um, with, with certain drivers, but he had to stand up for himself because he got pushed around a lot in that 20 car. And when he stood up for himself and, uh, you know, didn't take no crap from nobody, all of a sudden Joe Logano's career started to head in the right direction. And he's been here before. He's been here twice before in the championship race. So, um, you know, was never able to, to, to pull off and finally do it. But a, a huge win for Logano. And here's what he had to say um, in victory lane as he was crowned the 2018 NASCAR Cup Series champion. Just a, a dream come true to, to even hear those words, along with my name. Uh, it's just crazy, but I'm not a champion. These guys are champions with me. We're not doing it alone. Here comes the best race car I've ever driven. It's right here. Look at that thing. And my whole team does an amazing job. Our pit crew is amazing. Oh, man, I, I don't even know how to put this in words. God is so good. It's just uh, it's crazy what life can throw at you sometimes. and. You get the cautious at the right time. You let the team do their job and let me do my job. And next thing you know, here, here we are, NASCAR champions. It's, uh, I don't even know what to say. NBC Sports, of course, that was the uh, post-race show um, that we got that from. But, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it's a huge win for Logano. He's, um, he, he's a great young driver. He's got a good personality. And a lot of people didn't like the way he won Martinsville. I thought it was fine. He, to me, he moved the guy at a short track. I'm not sure what else you want him to do um, to win the championship for a championship. And, and he did it, and he did a great job. And, you know, obviously he wasn't one of the big three this year. Uh, but you make a good point. You know, I think he came out today at a racetrack where he knew, and everybody at this tra- track knew, um, it was time to, to, to get serious and, and to win this championship. They went out and did it. And you brought up an interesting point about practice. Legato was very fast in both practices. So was Truex. And Harvick, it looked like early on, Harvick was, was good. He started 12th, worked his way up quickly to 6th, got to the top 5, got to the lead, and it was like, okay, it's going to be Harvick's race to lose. And when the sun went down, something happened to that 4 car, and it just went away. It was never the same. But you brought up a good point, John, and I think this is something we could talk about the championship. 
about this race, the thing that will always I will always remember is just how out to lunch the 18 car was. They were terrible, and I know that uh, he had a couple of pit road issues that were out of Kyle Busch's control, and he had to work his way from the rear a lot. But man, oh man, this is a team that on that final restart had a chance to really pull up and say, you know what, let's put a bad night behind us. We're there. We have a chance to win this race, and he didn't do it. And Kyle Busch expressed his frustration to NBC Sports in a post-race show. Here's what he had to say about his night. Um, I don't know, just not at all what we wanted, obviously, not what we expected either. Um, we knew the 22 was fast, but, man, I thought we were way closer than that. And uh, we kind of held serve the first round of the race, but then after that we just never – we were never close. Um, I don't know what happened. Just uh, didn't have the feel in the race car that I needed tonight. Just – all night long, just as soon as you get out of the gas, getting into the corners, you're just sideways, just turning to the right, just trying to save it. And um, you do that for 50, 60 laps, whatever it is on tires, and, um, and you just you just can't hang on. I couldn't hang on after eight laps, let alone the 50, but um, bummed for all of our guys. Uh, Adam Stevens and my guys did a phenomenal job all year long. The M&M's team was really, really good, and um, just not good enough in the night that mattered the most. But... We finished fourth, uh, last of the chase guys. Um, just that's not what it takes these days. And I think the ma- biggest thing about about this race, John, was Homestead is, I think, so much unlike any other racetrack. Especially now, even more as this as this track wears more and more on the Goodyear tires, it's so unlike any racetrack. And I think that's where it sort of plays into an, an interest standpoint. Where you know, I think these teams might have a, a, a different idea of what to expect with a mile and a half in a different package and they come here and they get surprised by what the track does or how the car handles and I think that came to to rear its head today as uh we saw Kyle Busch struggle Harvick struggle a little bit uh more than what we've seen him on mile and a half tracks in the past yeah I mean Kyle Busch is phenomenal driver he's he gets more out of the car than any other driver on the track it almost always seems that way but this day was different than most. Like you said, Harvick, it looked like he was going to run away with the thing. But you saw at the end of the second stage where Larson was able to get the momentum to stay up top and be able to get by Harvick. And if you were able to run up top, you were able to get by people. I mean, that top groove, you could carry speed. But if you notice, it seemed like most of the contenders with Harvick, Truex, Joey Logano's power move at the end, they were running the bottom. And it seemed like the top, you could keep your momentum going, but only a few people were ballsy enough to do it. I mean, you had Larson, and once in a while, Joey would go up there. But it was the the bottom feeders won today. And it was truly uh, the one thing with Homestead. It is temperature sensitive. You can go and find grip. You can go and find where your car works. It's not like if you're not on the bottom line, you're out to lunch. You could go up top and find speed. You could find the middle groove. You saw them three, four wide at different spots. But most of the day, I mean, if Harvick was off the bottom, his car wasn't that good. And he wound up losing it because, like they said, they had a daytime race car. It just did not work. They lost. They had great balance until it got dark and they could never get the rear grip back, according to Harvick during the race. And he couldn't take off Uh, Kyle Busch. I mean, they played a strategy game and it almost worked out for him, but I'll tell you, I mean, like you said, I mean, we've said throughout the show so far, nobody was better on a short run than Joey Logano and that move against Truex and Truex 
It wasn't like he put the brakes on and watched Joey go by. I mean, Truex was running hard, and Joey was gone before you blinked. And the next thing you know, Joey's got a two-second lead at the end of the race. And Truex and Harvick and Kyle Busch, the top four drivers in the series, Harvick and Busch, the big three all year, had nothing for Logano. And let's go back to Martin's. Martin Truex Jr. out of the way. Kurt Busch is in the final four, not Joey Logano. So if Joey Logano does not make that move, Kurt Busch was in the final four, and Joey Logano is not your champion. That was the move of the year, because without that move, Joey Logano is not sitting in victory lane with the big trophy, not just the Homestead Miami race trophy. Yeah, and that's so true. And and that's, you know, when people say, when is it okay to move somebody? I always say it's okay to move somebody from running for a championship. Um, And Logano did just that. But you brought up a good point about running the top lane. It did not seem like um, a, a, a preferred way. And, um, if you go back to the night before in the Xfinity Series race, that's basically how Tyler Reddick won the race. And I, I wonder if these guys looked at that and said, hmm, you know, um, that's where we have to win the race because Reddick was so fast up there. But something different with the Cup cars than the Xfinity Series car is the Xfinity Series car is flat on the right side. The Cup car has, with where the wheel wells are, they're a little bit um, rounder. So if you bang it off the outside wall – like Reddick did a couple of times on Saturday night, uh, you'll be all right. But on Sunday, you can't do that. And Kyle Larson proved that because you're going to blow a right front, t- you're going to blow a right tire. Larson did it. He did it twice, and it ruined his day. After a, a guy who was really, really fast um, throughout the night early on was Kyle Larson, and you know, just running the high lane, it hurt him. And you have to wonder if you know you almost when you're flirting with disaster up there, and you got that such a small margin of error running the top lane, uh, if eventually you're going to do that. And Reddick bounced it off the wall four or five times. So I wonder if these guys watched the Xfinity Series race on Saturday and said, that's where we got to go to win this race. Maybe the 42, who's, who's notorious running high, and it sort of bit him in the rear here because he, it took him out of the race. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's my curiosity. But you mentioned Harvick, just not anywhere near where he needed to be tonight. Either I thought early on they had a really fast race car, won stage one, finished second in stage two, um, but towards the end of that race he just was not as fast as the 22 or the 78. Here's where Harvick's comments on a post-race show on NBC. Well, obviously, and, and you know we just got loose as the night went on. Really a uh, great pit call there in position to, to win the race if the caution doesn't come out, and then it came down to a pit stop and um, you know a restart there, and we didn't do either good. So. Uh, just hate it for all our guys on our Jimmy John's Ford. It's been a great year, and, and we just got beat tonight. And it was a great year. I mean, when you think about this 2018 season with Kevin Harvick, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, as, as much as we talked earlier in the year about young drivers, and if you remember before the year even started, there was talks about young drivers and that the veteran drivers felt sort of left out because all the advertising and everything went to the younger drivers. Well, the veterans really showed up and really, um, you know, Showed their showed their strength this year. I mean, you can consider I consider Logano a veteran now. He's been here ten years. Harvick's been here fifteen, uh, eighteen years. Kyle Busch has been here a long time. Truex as well. So the veterans were really really strong this year. Um, and it, and the big three were all veteran drivers. So nothing to hang their hat on. But a great year, John, for Harvick. 
all Stewart racing, really. They had a really good year, but unfortunately for them, uh, it's going to come without a championship. Yeah, but the thing is, you look at what Stuart Haas Racing has done. Um, and Tony talked about it earlier in the week at the owner's press conference, the fact that it's been 10 years that that team's been together. And you look, the Gene Haas was in the sport before Tony became part of the team, and that team was crap. And then they got Tony in, and Tony drew people, and Tony drew racers. And Tony won a championship himself. He won a championship with Kevin Harvick. Um, Harvick's had a chance to win the championship every year that he's been at Stuart Haas racing. Um, and then this year they won the owner's championship series with Cole Custer. One of the things that I think was big in the difference between, um, in the growth of Stuart Haas racing is whenever they switched to Ford the first year they struggled because the amount of changes that went from going to the Chevy to Ford was night and Ford, and they got a ton of support from Ford. But I also think another big part of it was the switch from Danica to Eric Almarola. Instead of having three cars who could contend, one that was out to lunch, you had four cars who could contend. You had four drivers giving good feedback to open the department. You had four crew chiefs who were able to work hand-in-hand together. And you had Tony Gibson working with them to make sure that the cars were produced for all four drivers the way they wanted them. And you have Greg Zipidelli as the vice president of uh, competition, making sure that the team was set to go. The 10 years that Stuart Haas Racing has put together is phenomenal, considering what they were before Tony joined that team. Gene Haas was a billionaire before Tony Stewart joined Stuart Haas Racing. But he was a billionaire who was running 30th. Now he's a billionaire with four teams that won this year, four teams that were in the playoffs, four teams that were in the semifinals. Four of his eight teams were in the round of eight. Argue with that success. Yeah, it's going to come out. Unfortunately, in all series, I mean, they got the owner's championship, like I mentioned, in Xfinity. Um, but it's going to come out without a championship. But, again, nothing to hang their hat on. I mean, Amarola finished fifth in the standings this year. And considering where that 10 car was the four years prior, it's unbelievable the uptick in performance on that 10 car by changing the driver and a crew chief, of course. But I think the big part was uh, the driver on that 10 car. 917-889-8280. Talking circles, Clayton Cole, John Harlow here with you tonight. Talking the NASCAR Cup Series championship race, Joe Logano is your 2018 Cup Series champion. He won the 40 Caboose 400 from Homestead Miami Speedway. Um, listen, there was a lot of a lot of things that went on tonight, um, but I'll say I'll say this, John. I, I remember talking to a friend of mine before the race started today and, and saying they're like, "Who do you think is going to win a championship?" And I said, "Well, you know, I think it could be Harvick. I think it could be Bush." And I said, "To be honest with you, I think Logano has a has a better chance." than Martin Truex Jr., because I just think with everything going on with that team, they haven't had speed since July. Um, I would be surprised to see Truex go out there and really perform the way they needed to to win a championship. And I, don't, I know they won a championship in 2017, but I would be surprised to see them go out there and do that. Well, it was a, it was a tremendous performance from Truex and that team. Unfortunately, that team is shutting down at the end of the year. It was an emotional night for Truex, and he gave his thoughts on the post-race show on NBC as well. I don't know. I'm going to miss these guys. Wish we could have won it. We had it. Just, uh, you know, we, we couldn't go for 15 laps, and I knew that 
last restart was going to be tough. We were able to get the lead. I just I couldn't do anything. I was I was just slow for 15 laps. You know, wouldn't turn. I try to go as fast as those guys, and I'd be dead sideways, and I just couldn't I couldn't do it. And uh, I don't know what else I could have done. You know, he uh, he passed me so fast. I didn't even have a chance to do anything. It was uh, we needed we needed more laps. We just needed more time. But proud of my guys and uh, proud of everybody. Thanks, Johnny and Bass Pro and auto owners and uh, Five Hour TRD Toyota. Everybody who helped us. Uh, you know, the past few seasons, um, not the way we wanted to go out, but hell of an effort. Been the best time of my life. I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, these guys are—they've been amazing. They've made—they've uh, made me a superstar in NASCAR, and so I'm just very thankful for them all. Yeah, and and you can hear the emotion in Truex's voice, and he did have a better long-run car tonight, John. Uh, but that short run at the end really hurt him, and and Logano was able to get around him, but. You know, let's talk about Furniture Racing here for a second. This is a team that, uh, you know, started off as sort of the little engine that could, I guess you can say. Barney Vish is no doubt uh, a very wealthy man, put a lot of money into this thing, and he they didn't really flourish until Cole Pern and Martin Truex Jr. got together. Kurt Busch had a good year with him the year prior, uh, but when Truex and Cole Pern got together, it they took off, this team. And um, we saw them compete for championships and for a two, almost a two-year period there, John, on a mile-and-a-half program, that 78 team was the car to beat. Uh, and that's something I'll never forget with this team. They were the car to beat. When they went to a mile-and-a-half, it was like, okay, who's going to run second to Martin Truex Jr. in this 78 team? Because every time we went there, they were fantastic. And uh, it's hard to believe that that team's not going to be around, the, the, I guess, no longer the defending champion, but they're not going to be around next year. But what are your final thoughts on, on furniture racing? I mean, um, it, it's sad to see the team shut down. We've known about it for a while now, but what are your f- thoughts on uh, Furniture Racing and, and their performance here tonight at Homestead Miami Speedway? I thought um, it was a. Uh, it's very sad. I mean, they shot the picture in the video of the truck pulling out of Denver earlier in the week, and there wasn't a dry eye of the bunch that were taking the truck out and the ones who put the car together. And from what I understand, still at least a third of the team still doesn't have jobs going forward. And if you're a NASCAR Cup team and you're looking for somebody who can make your team better, look at those guys out in Denver, what they've done in the past uh, four years since Cole and uh, since Cole Perm was elevated to crew chief. Um, it's a good bunch of people out there. Barney Visser threw a boatload of his money in there because he loved racing and at some point, you got to say, okay, when am I t- tired of throwing good money after bad? If you look over the length of time that Furniture Row Racing's probably been in existence, Barney Visser probably put $110 million into the organization. And they sure as hell didn't win $110 million over the uh, 15 years that the organization's been there. I think um, Truex, honest to God, wore his heart on his sleeve on this one. I think Truex probably got more out of the car today than was probably there. Um, the one race where I look back at the history of Furniture Row Racing, and it really is impressive. There's two of them that really come to mind. When Regan Smith won for the first time at Darlington to say, hey, we are a team. We are doing something here. We're trying to get better. And then whenever... Um, Truex went out there and what he led uh, 370 or 385 of the 400 laps of the Coke 600 last year. 
it was just a phenomenal performance. There was nobody going to catch Martin Truex Jr. in the 2017 Coca-Cola 600. Nobody in there, nobody even had a chance. That's how good they were with that car. It's going to be interesting to see how Martin Truex Jr., Cole Pern fit in at Joe Gibbs Racing. The one thing that they've been able to do, they've been able to take Joe Gibbs' stuff and make it better because they've done it themselves. Now they're in Joe Gibbs' shop, and everybody there is going to see what they're doing with it. And it's not going to be the same group of people. Um, and you got to wonder where Truex fits into the chain. Is he the top dog or is Kyle Busch? Is he ahead of Denny Hamlin on where it goes? That's the one thing, a couple things you got to look at of where they're going down the road because I'm not sure the move of Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern to Joe Gibbs is going to be the one that continues keeping Martin Truex Jr. as one of the big three. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it's certainly going to be interesting. I mean, the only good thing is Pern has a familiarity with that equipment. He knows the equipment inside and out at Joe Gibbs Racing because he's been working on it for all the, all these last couple of years. Truex does as well. He's not losing the crew chief. And I think the most important thing in this in this sport is the relationship between a driver and a crew chief. Um, and, and I think it, it's huge. Uh, and that's not going away. So um, I think they'll be all right. I'm not sure if we're going to see as dominant as this 78 team was. And it just was a, a great feeling. I mean, they were the only team based out of, out of Denver, Colorado. And they were a solo cooperation this year and competed for a championship. I mean, um, and I know they get help from Joe Gibbs, a, a lot of help from Joe Gibbs Racing, but uh, it was certainly nice to see them. And you could pull for them as a, as a sort of an underdog team in a way because they're not the powerhouse organization. But at the end of the day, um, it's a business, and unfortunately, um, Barney Visser just didn't have the didn't have the wealth and, and the sponsorship to do this. Like Joe Gibbs Racing is going to have for Martin Truex Jr. in that 19 car. So um, unfortunately, it was a it's a sad story that Furniture Racing shutting down. But when I think of this team, like I said, John, before, I think of this team for a two-year period where they were just unbelievably dominant at these mile-and-a-half tracks and went out last year when they needed to have a big race and win a championship, and they went out and did it. And uh, it was a very, very impressive run. And, and really the, the thing that catapulted Martin Truex Jr.'s career, the team that really catapulted it, I mean, he talked about it in his comments Truex, and they talked about it on the post-race show, Truex was sort of, um, you know, had a, had a little bit of a, of a negative connotation around him after the whole Spingate thing and Napa and, Mar- and Michael Waltrip racing. Um, and Barney Visser gave him a shot and said, let's do this. And it really rejuvenated his career, and they were very patient with him through the whole Sherry Pollock thing. They've worked very well with him through that uh, whole, his, his girlfriend having uh, cancer and, and all that. They've, they've been completely understanding. They've been like family to him, and um, those are all memories he's going to have with this 78 team and winning the championship and just being the guy who, when you look at that 78 car, when I hit the racetrack, you're like, oh, that team's going to be here, and they're going to run in the top five. And that was every week. It didn't matter where what track they went to. So, um, you know, whenever something changes, John, you always look at it. When it's going good and something changes, you're going, man, I'm not sure how that's going to happen. I understand your um, – your thoughts on that 19 car going to Martin Truex Jr. next year? I think they'll be all right, but certainly won't be what they were um, on that 78 car. Your yeah, one of the things whenever you look at when you look at the Furniture Row opportunity that Truex had, 
And you're right. There was the negative connotation around him from Spingate, which was none of his doing. He was just driving, trying to get in the playoffs. And everybody else in the back of Michael Waltrip Racing, from Ty Norris to Mikey, came up with the plan. It's like, okay, we're going to get ourselves in. We're going to put a spin and make sure we get somebody else on the lead lap or whatever to make sure that Truex was able to hold his position to get into the playoffs. Stupid, but not Martin Truex Jr.'s fault. Martin Truex Jr. was a solid competitor at DEI. And DEI fell apart. And whenever he went to Ganassi, he just didn't feel right, so he went to Mikey. And then he went to Furniture Row. And that was a move out of desperation because there wasn't a whole lot of people or a whole lot of rides there available for Truex to wind up getting himself into. He almost was able, he was almost going to be another David Reagan where he went from a top notch ride from Roush Fenway back when it was a top notch ride to hoping to get hook on with a front row or something like that. And Furniture Row at that time was just building. I mean, heck, it was only the first year they were ever in the playoffs and Kurt Busch got them there without a win. But then the first year Truex is there, unfortunately, I mean, it was a dumpster fire. Him and Todd Barrier did not click. Sherry Pollock's got sick, had her cancer, big cancer issues. And it shows how classy Barney Visser was and how much of a good human being that he was that he offered to say, hey, Martin, the ride is yours. Go be with your girlfriend. Go with her through treatment. The ride is here for you. And... Martin and Sherry talked and they figured the best place for Martin to be was in a race car. And that would be his escape from everything they were dealing with Monday through Thursday. And it wasn't a great season, but they moved Colpern up to the crew chief position and they caught magic and they caught lightning in a bottle. It was a magical run for them. These past four years have been the best four years that Truex has had in his career. Probably be the best four years he'll ever have in his career. It's sad that the way the economic system is in the sport, that a guy who's coming off a championship season has to close his doors the next year because it is so darn dependent on sponsorship. There's a billion dollars coming into the sport over the 10-year period. That's $100 million a year. You'd think they would be able to figure out a way to divvy the winnings up properly so these teams can survive if they don't have a $30 million sponsorship and you look at it, one of the reasons the $30 million sponsorship's gone to crap is because NASCAR took 20 million a year from monster energy. And if you're a sponsor looking at a team, why would I pay $30 million for one car when I can have the whole series for 20? It's sad the way the economic model has started to destroy the sport. You're seeing it in other divisions as well. But now you see it flat out that the defending champion, well, not the defending champion anymore, but the guy who won in 2017 and finished second in 2018, the team is now closed. And that is very, very sad. It really is. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to imagine. It really, it really is. And I know we saw this, um, I know with Blue, Black, Blue Max racing back in the 1990s, early 1990s, after Rusty Wallace won the championship, Blue Max shut down. And uh, Rusty took a sponsorship of Middle Genuine Draft and took the team Penske, and so became one of the most iconic uh, duos in NASCAR history, Rusty and Team, and, and team Penske. But, um, you know, so it's not unprecedented, but it, it certainly is something when you look at it and say, 
uh, it's not a great sign. And, and the crazy part is, you know, Tyler Reddick won a championship in Xfinity is not going to be with that team next year as well. He's moving to Richard Childress Racing next year. And Brett Moffitt uh, doesn't have anything lined up yet for 2019. He won a Truck Series championship on Friday night. So uh, kind of crazy that you have a, a lot of big-name drivers and a lot of significant drivers uh, moving around next year. And, uh, you know, basically because of either sponsorship or financial issues on the case of Moffitt and, and uh, Truex, at least. So um, that's a little frustrating when you look at it and say, you know, this is a sport where you want to reward winning. You want to reward performance. And I always look at it and say performance is the number one thing for me. I always want to look at it and say, um, you know, I don't care what anything happens. As long as it doesn't affect the performance, the performance is the number one goal because you want to have people who can go out there and uh, and compete. And you want to see, and as a fan, I want to see the best drivers and the best teams compete against each other because that's why I watch because I want to see the best of the best. And, um if we start to get to a point where it's no longer the best of the best, I think that's an issue. We have to work towards that. I've been saying that for years. And I think right now that's something with – and I don't want to get to the truck series and Xfinity until next time on Talking in Circles, but I think we're getting to that point where you're looking at it going, well, if Furniture Racing is one of the best teams in racing uh, and they can't keep afloat, are we really doing the right thing here? If Brett Moffitt, who had a tremendous, tremendous year in the truck series uh, – and won the championship, if he doesn't arrive for next year after winning the championship, are we really doing something right here? So, um, to me, you're right, John. I just think it's it's a it's sort of a uh, – as great as tonight was and this weekend was, and it was entertaining, there's no doubt about it. I think this championship format, um, while I wasn't in love with, with the, the Xfinity Series champion because I think he sort of had a mediocre uh, regular season, it was certainly entertaining. It put you on the edge of the seat, and I think that's what you want. But still, there's these lingering effects that come uh, around that, you know, kind of look at you look at the sport and scratch your head a little bit with the Truex in the, uh, news about that team shutting down and Brett Moffitt uh, about him not having a ride for next season. So uh, it, that's a little um, alarming for sure. Um, you know, end of the year, John, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Uh, and a lot of people are moving. A lot of drivers are moving. And one particular driver who's leaving, John, is Matt Kenseth. Uh, Matt came out earlier in the year and said he doesn't want to run full-time next season. Uh, I guess there was a possibility before they hired Ryan Newman for the six that Matt could have drove the six car full-time next season. Matt didn't want to do that. He's got three or four young kids at home, I believe, now. Uh, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to run part-time. So they went and hired Ryan Newman. So this was the last race as a full-time, as a, I guess, a, a competitor maybe, uh, for Matt Kenseth, and he did not disappoint. Went out there, ran in the top five for a little bit of the night, but was a top 15, top 10 car all night long in the sixth spot. Uh, a nice, nice run for Matt Kenseth tonight in the Ford EcoBoost 400. Yeah, I remember I was at, I was at Dover for Matt Kenseth's first cup race whenever he was filling in for Bill Elliott in the 94 McDonald's car. Shows you how long ago that was. Uh, Matt Kenseth finished sixth in his first uh, race in the cup series. Matt Kenseth's last race in the Cup Series, he finished sixth in the number six car. Matt Kenseth has been an amazing competitor. He will be in the Hall of Fame five years from now whenever his number comes up and he is nominated. Matt Kenseth, I think, has done more for Roush Fenway in his fill-in time this year than he did in all the years when he won the Cup Championship and all the other things because he helped uh, set the stage for Roush Fenway to start rejuvenating itself. 
You notice the difference in Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s car once Kenseth got there. You saw Kenseth take his car and make it better every time they went out. You even saw Trevor Bain run better after Matt Kenseth became part of the organization again. You listen to Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. One of the things that they said whenever uh, Matt Kenseth came to Joe Gibbs Racing is Matt Kenseth made their cars better because whenever they would have the debriefs on Tuesday, they learned so much from what Matt Kenseth had to say. Matt Kenseth is one of those guys. I mean, he was compared a lot to David Pearson because a lot of times Matt Kenseth would take care of his equipment. Then all of a sudden, wait, where'd he come from? And Matt Kenseth would be in the top five pushing for the win. Matt Kenseth is one of those guys who was very quiet on the track. The only big time trouble you ever heard from him was whenever he had the dust up with Joey Logano and he put him into the fence in Martinsville to make sure he didn't win a championship because Logano took Kenseth out of the chance at a championship at Kansas. That's the only time you ever heard anything crazy about Kenseth. Well, in the time he tried to pound Keselowski in Richmond in the pits at one time. But, I mean, Kenseth was very quiet, very um, a solid driver for all those years. You never heard anybody in the garage area say Matt Kenseth is the hardest guy to pass or Matt Kenseth did me dirty. You never saw the Tony Stewart, Robbie Gordons or the Jeff Gordon, Jeff Burt or Jeff Gordons and Kislowski's or any of the other stuff or the Harvick and Greg Biffles. You never saw any of that out of Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth went out, put his helmet on, did things the right way. He won a lot of races. He won a championship. And whenever he went to Joe Gibbs racing that first year, people were thinking that Matt Kenseth's career was starting to go on the downside. He came out and went to Joe Gibbs racing and won eight races his first year with JGR. A phenomenal career for Matt Kenseth. And he's one of those guys that I'm sad to see go. You and me both, John. I mean, I, I thought about the performance earlier in this sport and how I, I always think of performance is the number one thing. And I want to see the best drivers compete and the best teams compete. And I think in order to have the best drivers compete against each other, Matt Kenseth needs to be in the field. Uh, that's just how I feel about him. I think Matt Kenseth is unbelievable. And, and today he proved it, you know, back-to-back top ten finishes for that six car. When was the last time you could say that about that six car? Um, he finished, I believe it was t- ninth or tenth at Phoenix and sixth today at Homestead Miami Speedway. But 665 starts, 39 wins, uh, you, the 2003 champion, two Daytona 500s, Whatever you want to, wherever you want to put Matt Kenseth, um, you know you can you can put him back. So uh, I just think when you look at um, what Matt Kenseth did in his career, you're right. He's going to he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. This guy was just unbelievable, and he did it with class. He did it with grace, and uh, he was so smart and so smooth. And and I'm just going to miss him because, like I said, he he just you know there was a poll today about all the drivers who potentially running their final race and we'll get to a couple of them and a couple of other things that went on today that were the final time and we can reflect on that as well but um they asked you know of all the drivers who are running their final race who's gonna miss the most and i said matt kenseth just because of how good he was um and you know it, i don't know what else to say he's just he was fantastic um and to me you mentioned his his move to joe gives racing but how he even built came into this sport was really remarkable. You know, Robbie Reiser and him, um, who Robbie Reiser wound up being his crew chief in Rush Fenway for a lot of years, you know, they ran against each other out there in Wisconsin, 
and uh, Robbie had his own Bush team for a little while and hired Matt Kenseth, and boom, all of a sudden that team just took right off. Uh, he had, did a good job in 96, 90, or 97, excuse me, 98, he finished second in points, won three races, 99, he finished third in points, went to Jack Roush, and, and you mentioned his first start with Bill Elliott. That was impressive with the uh, sixth-place run at Dover, one of the toughest tracks on the circuit to go out there in Bill Elliott's car and finish sixth was really, really impressive. So, you know, he's improved, he's been impressive since day one, and we're going to miss Matt Kenseth for sure um, out here uh, in the Cup Series and, and in NASCAR. And maybe he'll peep his head around a little bit uh, working for Ross Fenway, but we're certainly going to miss him. Another final thing here, John, um, and, and we'll get to other drivers. You know, there's other drivers who ran their potentially their final race. But another final that we saw tonight was Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss. They ran in the top five for a little while, or top ten, excuse me, for a little while today. Ended up finishing in the 14th position. Lowe's in a throwback to his rookie scheme back in 2002. They're gone. So Jimmy Johnson, Chad Knauss, they're breaking up at the end of the year. If, if you we're living under a rock, Knauss is going to William Byron's team next year. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's got a new crew chief, Kevin Mendering, from the one car in the Xfinity Series. Um, and Lowe's is backing out, no longer sponsoring that 48-team out life financials, taking over that. So um, seven championships Jimmy Johnson won with Chad, with Chad Knauss and Lowe's. 83 victories uh, went from 2002 to 2017 every year with a win. This year they didn't get it. They struggled all year long. It was a shocking year from that 48 team. But what are your lasting memories of, of you know, and, and you could probably go all night onto this, but just what what's one of the things that will stick out of Chad Canales, Jimmy Johnson, and this Lowe's team over the last uh, 18 years? I think one of the things that was really impressive, I was watching the pre-race and they had the Coffee with Kyle segment where Kyle sat down with his dad and Dale Inman. The only other two who won seven titles together. I mean, Earnhardt won with a different crew chief every year, I think. I think the only one he ever won two with was uh, um, the guy who wound up coming back and driving. Uh, Shelmerdine. Yeah, Kirk Shelmerdine. Shelmerdine. <clears throat> yeah. But it was interesting that Dale Inman was the first one to say, I don't think Jimmy Johnson gets enough credit for what they've done. Because back in the day, all you heard was Richard Petty. And, oh, by the way, Dale Inman was his crew chief. Or Dale Earnhardt won these championships and whoever was his crew chief that year. This one was always Jimmy and Chad. And people were wondering, always wondering how much of it was Chad. Because Chad Knauss played loose and fast with the rules. Chad Knauss missed a Daytona 500 because they kicked him out for failing inspection. Chad Knauss has been probably suspended more than any crew chief that's on a pit box these days. Um, but Jimmy Johnson has been solid. Jimmy Johnson went out and just let his record speak for himself. It's not like he's out there going, hey, look at me. I'm a seven-time champion, yada, yada, yada. Jimmy puts his helmet on and he races. And I thought today was a very special day for that group because Jimmy even shaved. They went back to the first low scheme yeah. they had in the Daytona 500 Way back whenever they first started this thing, Jimmy was clean shaven. They had the team picture of everybody around the car who were part of the 48 team. I think it's a, I mean, it's going to be an interesting move to see how it works out. Um, if Kevin Mendering can figure out how, how to make a car go for Jimmy. And if uh, Chad Knauss can guide William Byron along. I mean, 
it's going to be a lot of work on both ends because Jimmy's used to saying one thing and Chad knowing it, or Jimmy's thinking one thing and Chad's already thought about it, or the communication that Chad's going to get from William Byron compared to what he gets from Jimmy. It may be a struggle for both next year, but I think it's an amazing career the two of them have had. There's never going to be another run like it again. I mean, you look how many people – how many different drivers go through crew chiefs like water anymore? Denny mm-hmm. Hamlin, great race car driver, but he's on his what? Seventh crew chief now. Sixth. I think. I mean, he's had Mike Wheeler, Dave Rogers, Darian Grubb. Darian Grubb. I mean, just go through the pile. Mike Ford. Yeah. And Denny Hamlin goes through crew chiefs like water. Kyle Busch on his third. Mm-hmm. It's just, not the same. Kevin Harvick, when he was at uh, Richard Childress Racing, would go through crew chiefs about every other year. I think Rodney Childress and Kevin Harvick, it's the longest he's been with one crew chief forever. He'll ever break up. I think whenever that happens, Harvick will retire, and that's when Rodney Childress will go somewhere else in the Stewart Hospital. I don't think Harvick and Childress will ever break up before Harvick retires. But seven championships, 84 wins. I don't think anybody's going to come close to that ever again. You look, the the yeah. model for that was Chad Knauss came up from the um, Ray Everham School of Crew Chiefing. He was part of the Rainbow Warriors when they first came in. He learned from Ray. Ray and Jeff Gordon didn't stay, lo- stay around long enough to put together a run like Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss did. And not just that, remember back whenever Jimmy first won three championships in a row? Only Kale Yarbrough had ever done that. He won five in a row. Five of his seven in a row. It, those are things that I don't know if we'll ever see again. Just because the level of, and the level of competition he did it against. I mean, you look when Richard Petty won his seven titles... We lost David Pearson last week, and one of the things, 105 wins, and he did it in half the amount of races that Richard Petty won is 200 in. Richard Petty wasn't running against David Pearson every race because Pearson and the Wood Brothers would pick and choose where the big money was, and they'd focus on them, and they wouldn't worry about going to Podunk, uh, North Carolina, to run at a dirt track somewhere. They spent their money where they thought was going to make the most out of it. The competition level that Jimmy Johnson won five championships against compared to every other era, it doesn't even compare. Oh, I can't. I can't agree more. I mean, and you brought up a good point in the beginning where you talked about uh, Inman and, and everybody, you know, saying Jimmy doesn't get enough credit. He really doesn't. And I, I think it's got a lot to do with where he came from, North Car- or from California, and you had a bunch of North Carolina boys who won seven championships before Jimmy Johnson, and they kind of sat there and said, oh, what's this, what's this California boy come? This California boy just knows how to drive and can really and really just went in here and beat all the Southern boys, uh, no doubt about it. And um, it to me, it when I think back to this in 10 years, we're going to look back at this and say, man, what a run that was. And what, it, the 48 Lowe's Chevrolet with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss became – there's iconic cars in this sport. You think about NASCAR, you think of the 43 STP car. You think of the, the three Goodwrench car. You think of um, the 28 Havilland Texaco car. And when you think of those cars, there's certain names that pop up. Earnhardt, Petty, Allison, um, and that 48 car and that Lowe's car, um, that is what 
you think when you think of that, you're going to think of Jimmy Johnson and, and Chad Canass. There's no doubt about that. And that's what they've done. And that is a very, very hard thing to do. But that is what they've done. Jeff Gordon and the 24 uh, DuPont, they've put themselves in that kind of category. And that is unbelievably impressive. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to that car and that team next year over there at Hendrick Motorsports. Another driver, another driver who's sort of running his final race this, this week, and we're not sure if this is his final race because there's an opportunity for him to run at Daytona 500 next year, which he hasn't made his mind up on yet, according to him, is Jamie McMurray. Uh, McMurray um been running for Ganassi really for the last, I think, nine years. He's been running over there at the one-car Ganassi. He finished 18th today at Homestead Miami Speedway. Um, out of that one car at the end of the year, and uh, Jim McMurray now um, is out of a ride, it looks like. Who knows who's going to be in that car next season. Um, you know, there's rumors it's going to be Kurt Busch, but uh, who knows who's going to be in that car. And, John, we have a caller here, um, and I want to get to him. It's Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. Hello, guys. How are you? Celebrating four championship well, weekend, brother. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yes, doing very well. What do you want to talk about tonight, Lee? What's what's on your mind? Well, you were mentioning you were mentioning the '48 memories, and one of the memories that I'll never forget about the '48 team and Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canales and their tenure together was one year at Darlington. And I always reference this. They 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 started in the back of the pack, and were way off all day long, and looked like they were about to go a lap down and came down pit road and made some kind of adjustments to the race car, came all the way back from the back, drove all the way up to the front and won the race at Darlington, at the toughest track on the circuit. And that was when I went, man, these guys are unbeatable. Um, this year they showed that they're unbeatable, that, they're, that they are beatable. This year kind of reminded me of Richard Petty's last year, last few years there with Richard, last about decade for Richard. But uh, I hope it doesn't continue this way for Jimmy or Chad, because they both deserve success in the future. You know, uh, Dale Inman was able to leave and go have success with, with Terry Labonte and win another championship, his eighth. Um, and Richard never had, never re- recouped that success again. So I hope it doesn't, I hope it works out where both of them can have some success in the future here. Um, and Hendrick Motorsports could use it as well. They did not have a strong year at all. Alex Bowman was out to lunch today, but Chase obviously was the lead dog and had the best r- ride there this year. But, uh, the other three cars there, I thought, were were very subpar at best. Yeah, no doubt about that, Lee. Uh, the Hendrick camp, other than Chase Elliott, seemed to be um, nothing to write home about today. Johnson had his moments, but wound up finishing 14th. Um, it wasn't a great day for Hendrick. Um, Lee, what do you think going forward? How do you look at the Chad Canals William Byron relationship. Do you think it'll click right away, or you think it's one of those ones that's going to take at least a year before they're even getting on solid ground? And how do you think Jimmy's going to work with Kevin Mendering? Uh, well, Mendering to me, um, you know, he's a good crew chief. He's worked with Elliot Sadler, but that car hasn't won a race now in two years. Um, then they must have a lot of a lot of uh, confidence in Mendering, but. Like I said, their car hasn't won a race in two years. Now, Jimmy Johnson has more talent on his right hand than Elliott Sadler does in his whole body, but uh, that that's a little concerning to me. You know, Dave Ellens has now won two straight championships. You would think they would want to pull him up from the Xfinity Series, but, um, you know, maybe that's who Jimmy wanted. I don't know. Uh, the, as far as Chad and Byron, I think I think it's a good move. It's It's a little 
little kind of curious. I think maybe they made it because it was the only move that they could make because Ives and Bowman made the playoffs this year, and you're not moving Gustafson and Chase. They've been so strong. So this was the only move that they could make. But you got to wonder, you know, how long is Chad going to hang on here, two or three more years? Is, is that enough time to really get your footing with a guy like Byron who's 19, 20 years old, 21 years old next year, going to try and run and, and be successful in the Cup Series? Is that enough? We will see. Um, and, and whether or not, you know, the new package can fix that. The, the new package is going to throw a total curveball to everybody, so we don't know what to expect. You know, Jimmy Johnson can go out there and win the first 10 races of the year. I mean, who knows? You, you never know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I talked a little bit about this before you came on, Lee, and uh, I just want to get your opinion. There are a couple other guys who sort of run in their last race this weekend. Uh, Jane McMurray is one. He finished 18 today. A.J. Allmendinger was 19. It looks like he's out of a ride. Uh for uh, the near future, we had Casey Kane come and run his final race, it looks like, this year as well. What are your thoughts on those guys? Um, you know, not a ton of success on the Cup Series circuit, um, but what do you think of, of those guys? And when you think of, you know, McMurray Almendinger and maybe Casey Kane, what comes to mind for you? Well, Casey Kane to me was a guy who um, at one point was, 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 looked like he was on track to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, a guy who could win multiple, multiple championships, and he's only 38 years old now. And that's what's really shocking about what happened to him and his demise over the last three or four years, even before that, you know, over the last couple of years. It's been a shock to me because Casey was a guy who, when he got here with Ray Everham and won a whole bunch of races, we all went, wow, this kid's really a hot foot. And even through all the tumultuous times at Everham, when they switched over to Gillette Everham, when it became Richard Petty Motorsports, the one constant was that Casey Kane was running really strong in that Budweiser car. No matter who owned it, no matter what was going on, he and Kenny Francis had their arms wrapped around the Budweiser car. All the nonsense that went down with Red Bull Racing, with Jay Fry and what was going to go on with that, they were able to put that aside and win for Red Bull Racing. He goes to Hendrick Motorsports and has a really nice first year, and you're expecting Casey Kane to go out there and compete for championships the next few years and takes a total nosedive and just all of a sudden becomes a driver that we had no idea who he was the last four or five years. Wasn't competing. I don't know what happened to Casey Kane, whether he lost the drive, lost the desire or what, lost Kenny Francis and, and went off went off a deep end. But he made a lot of crew chief changes there, and things just didn't work out for him. I know he won a race last year made the playoffs, but it wasn't the same Casey Kane that we remember. So um, he's a guy that was on track to be a Hall of Famer for sure. A.J. Allmendinger, um, I think we put a little too much – Stock in his cart career. He did a good job in cart. I didn't think he was very good in the Cup Series. Got his best opportunity. He pissed away with it with a with an Adderall failed test, and and kind of hasn't been the same since. Um, you know, one it was very good in the road courses, but not a guy that I thought would be was that great of a driver. And then Jamie McMurray was another guy who, when he came out of the gate with Chip Ganassi and won that race at Charlotte, we all thought, and he's going to be a superstar and. Won some big races, but never really took off to be that superstar. In the last few years, it seemed like he's just mailed it in. So that's what i got to say about those three guys. Well, the one thing you look at with A.J. Allmendinger especially, um, he came in, got his ride with Red Bull, didn't really do anything special. But then he got that second chance with Roger Penske. And like you said, he pissed away with the Adderall test. If A.J. Allmendinger doesn't piss that ride away, Where's Joey Logano today? Yeah. Because yeah. If, if that ride's not sitting there open and Roger Penske doesn't take a chance on a redemption project in Joey Logano, and in reality, 
I don't think Joey Logano was a redemption project. Stewart could say the first word on the radio, and Zippy would know what move to make. And then you have Joey going into Tony's cars with Tony's crew chief, expecting Joey to drive like Tony. And whenever they made the clean break and Joey got away from Gibbs and went to Penske, it turned into Todd Gordon actually listened to what Joey had to say. But if A.J. Allendale doesn't test hot, we don't know where Joey Logano would be today. Just think about whether or not if Kurt Busch didn't tell Jerry Punch to get out of his face with a few more car- few more uh, French words in that sentence. AJ wouldn't have had that shot, and we'd still he'd still probably be a Penske. But uh, that you know you could think about all of that. But you know Joey's done a great job with it here at Team Penske, and I think it was the perfect place for him to wind up at an organization as classy and as good as Roger Penske's to kind of resurrect his career after a, such a ter- terrible time at Jacobs Racing. And I have a feeling, um, you know, I hope the same for Daniel Suarez after he got screwed as well here. Uh, whatever he's got coming up for him next year. The one thing yeah, I, no doubt about it. I think we, I really want to make sure everybody remembers about it. Last night going before the race. No doubt about it. I think um, Logano certainly has shown himself that he's a, a, a great uh, person. You know, apparently last night he was giving away turkeys at a local uh, shop shopping center um, outside uh, Homestead Miami Speedway. And, you know, could you imagine any other athlete on the night before their championship um, totally giving away, you know, a a um, turkey and, and helping out a, a charity the night before their championship? That's pretty awesome. We're going to lose our, our live audience here in about 60 seconds. But if you want to listen to the rest of the show, go to Talking in Circles, like our Facebook page, like us on Twitter. We'll have a little bit more longer of a show, about five more extra minutes if you want to listen to that on Talking in Circles. Um, but, Lee, you know, what do you have to say about tonight's race? I mean, we talked about it. John and I talked about it a little bit earlier. And I want your opinion on it. Um, you know, it was I, – I, my biggest surprise of the night was watching that 18 car, I, I, that they came t- tonight and just did not as run as good as I thought they, they would. Um, they were really at the lunch. Kyle was very unhappy at the end of the race, and they needed to be better to win that championship. What did you think – of the racing tonight at Homestead Miami Speedway. Yeah, I never expected Kyle to need strategy to win the championship tonight, and he did, you know, and he got lucky with that caution, and I thought, okay, this could change, change things because we know how aggressive Kyle is, especially on restarts. So we, I thought, okay, this could change things, and Joey blew their doors off. He was set up for long runs, and he was set up for nighttime, Joey, and that's what ultimately won him the championship for sure. Uh, I thought the racing at Homestead Miami Speedway the whole weekend was lackluster. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it it, it wasn't spectacular. Today's race was probably the best of the bunch. It wasn't spectacular. I think the the surrounding storylines of the championship is what makes it exciting, not necessarily the racing. But if this was a regular season race, I think we would have been quite disappointed in it. Um, and, and the whole weekend, and if, you know, this is where you're going to host your championship weekend. Uh, we need to have better racing, whether it's a, you know, you need better tires, etc. Um, it just needs to be better. And, and if it continues down this path here in the next three or four years, you really have to look at it and say, should we move this championship race around? I don't want to get to that discussion, but I thought for sure that the weekend was underwhelming on the racetrack, at least. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I just thought. Um, Clean air meant a lot, you know, and I would like to see 
Um, you know, I like the fact that tires wear off. I'll say that. I think that's an, that's a, 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 a quality I like in racing is when tires wear. And uh, and I was talking to John earlier. I think Homestead is a different mile and a half, though, than every other mile and a half track. And I think that's where some of these guys struggled is the fact that they kind of came here with a, with a standard mile and a half setup, and they really struggled on at Homestead Miami Speedway. But, um, you know, it, it certainly could have been better, I think, each race and each series had its uh, ups and downs, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, uh, I don't think we need to get to that extent where we're going to move that race, but I certainly see, see your point for sure. Final thoughts, John, um, on, on this whole weekend at Homestead uh, before we, we go off the air tonight. Well, um, next time on Talking in Circles, we'll end up talking the Xfinity and Truck Race and some of the silly season stuff that happened over the weekend. I think it was, unless we put the final race on a short track, I don't think we're going to get much more competitive than this. I thought that Joey Logano, we saw some strategy there. If, it, if we don't have that final uh, caution for Daniel Suarez, that pit stop was going to make the difference. And the way watching Kyle Busch uh, try to do strategy to win, watching Harvick to make sure and fighting on the track to make sure he kept ahead of Logano and Truex when they came off the pitch one lap after Harvick went in. That was some exciting moments there. One thing that was really disappointing is probably half the stands were empty for a championship weekend, and Homestead has provided some really good racing in the past few years. We'll see what this new package does. One of the things that I keep wondering about when it comes to the new package We've yet to see a pit stop out of it because the only time they ran it was the all-star race and it wasn't a long enough segment where you needed a pit stop. I wonder what this race is going to be like if it turns into pack racing. How many people are going to be stupid and not know what the hell they're doing and end up taking a championship competitor out of the race because somebody else was stupid instead of the top four up there fighting for the win. Yeah, and they were lucky that Matt Kenseth was in the six car tonight because of a feeling if it were somebody else who got and Kenseth did the same strategy as, as Kyle Busch did, where he stayed out, got the caution and then got fresh tires and was able, and was able to keep compete up there. And it's my opinion, Matt probably could have pushed a little bit harder on that restart. I think he decided not to, not to mess with the championship race, but if it's some young driver or somebody trying to look for a win up there, they really could have screwed things up. I'm okay. I'm all for it as a fan. I want to see exciting racing. I don't want to ever have anybody ever take anybody out. But I also don't want it to be boring. And if somebody's going to let up and just let the let the full championship four ride out, I don't, you know, and it be boring. I'd rather have an exciting race. So, but but at the same time, I think Kenseth did it very meticulously, knowing okay, I'm going to get a best finish I can here for my six. But I don't want to go out there and wreck these championship four drivers either. And they're lucky it was him because I'm feeling if it was somebody that was a younger driver looking to make their build their career and make their career, and not somebody in their final start, could have really been a mess. Oh, let me say this, and I saw this today on Twitter, and I was shocked. Wayne Alton from the Xfinity Series said that the, he basically reminded the drivers to, quote, stay out of the way of the championship four yesterday. And I thought that was, from yesterday's race, I thought that was absolutely an absurd thing to say. And I know what happened last year in the Xfinity Series with Elliott Sadler and Ryan Priest. And to me, that was one of the most ridiculous one of the most baby acts we've ever seen of a race car driver. And to this day, the way Sadler acts about that is absolutely insane. Uh, he's just it, it, He didn't do anything wrong. He ran him hard. And that's what we're there to watch is racing. 
I, I don't want to go on a rant to end this show, but man, oh man, if that's what if if what happened last week last year between Sadler and Priest made Wayne Alton say that in drivers' meeting, to me that is absolutely ridiculous. And we'll dive into that a little bit later. On well, I think you guys next I think time. you saw Elliot Sadler. I think you saw Elliot Sadler's true colors when he was whining that somebody wouldn't let him into the into the garage without a parking pass this week, and <laughs> and then gave him the "Do you know who I am?" speech. So. Yeah, you're probably right on that, Lee. Lee, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Unfortunately, we're running out of time here, and we'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Please please call back. You're always awesome and always welcome. That was Lee in Virginia. He's always awesome, John. We love him so much. Um, yeah, you know, it was Joey Logano's the champion. Um, just uh, 30 seconds, John, of, of the, the final thoughts uh, on, on the Cup Series championship race at Homestead. I think it was a great move on Joey Logano to get by Truex when he did. I thought it was great planning on Todd Gordon to realize that they needed to have a short run in that car where they could make the adjustment and be able to go for 20 laps and go balls to the wall. And it wasn't like they just sat there and won by pit strategy or something. They went out on a restart. They started third on the restart and wound up passing everybody and pulling out to over two seconds in under in 15 laps. It was a dominant finish for Joey Logano. Congratulations to our 2018 champion. For sure. And, and he's certainly the worthy champion. One thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight. We'll see you next time. It's Wednesday. We'll break down the Xfinity series and the truck series championship races, along with maybe even a little preview of 2019 or, or a review of the 2018 season. Um, uh, and the Cup Series side of things. So I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles. We'll see you next time. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.